We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we get started on the podcast, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Indochino. I love Indochino. It's the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, the whole bit. Everything is made to the exact measurements for a great fit. The process is so simple. It's why I like it. You go online, you choose your fabric, pick your customization, submit your memberships, package gets delivered straight to your door in two weeks. When that doorbell rings, and I know the package is here, it's fantastic. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom if you'd like to go there in person or do it online yourself, which is what I do at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off on your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at the checkout. Shipping is free. Gotta love that during the holidays. That's Indochino.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE. $30 off that total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast sponsored by Indochino, ShipStation, and Harry's Razors. This is the December 5th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I am your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today, we are talking to Peter Howard, self-professed stat nerd for DL Football. He does all those great projections for Roto Underworld, and he's a co-host of the Dynasty Crossroads podcast, along with Jake Anderson. You can find some of his many talents, and there are many, on Twitch TV. Great fantasy mind, incredibly smart person with a great sense of humor. We can't wait to get his thoughts on the Week 14 playoff time for fantasy football. Week is here. An automatic follow on Twitter, at P.A. Howdy. 
Peter, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on the Fantasy Football Mailbag. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited. Um, I can't live up to any of that hype, just just so you know. Uh, but I'll try my best. Well, my friend, I, I feel like we're in the secret club here because, of course, you, myself, Eric McClung, work over at Roto Underworld. And this year, we put together, of course, the last few years, the Roto Underworld draft kit with Rotoviz, of course, this year. You are the mad scientist there. You get the projections going. You update them, all the changes that go on. Talk about that a little and talk about how you got interested in fantasy football and where you started. It's it's always a unique story for everyone that comes on the podcast. Oh, man, that, those two entirely different stories for me. I got started in fantasy basically because I was new to like America and uh, I was looking to reach out and get involved in and something also sports and meet some friends and just some basic boring stuff like that and um a, a group of guys that were interested in another hobby of mine which was woodworking essentially fine woodworking and they were doing a fantasy football league and they needed someone to fill in i was like hey i know uh, nothing about that sport why don't i do it and so they let me come <laughs> on and um it was just really interesting um one of it was really fun obviously as everyone listening to this knows but I just got kind of addicted to the stats aspect of it and also the camaraderie and having fun with guys talking about sports and stuff like that. Um, so that's really how I got started in fantasy. I didn't win the first year, and that really frustrated me. So I, I had to keep going until I did. And then, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, how I got started the the Underworld, though, is entirely different. That's entirely Eric, Eric McClung, as you mentioned. It's his fault. He just noticed I was posting a lot of stuff about stats and I'd written for Roto Underworld before when they were looking uh, for someone to start projections. So like, hey, we we know this guy, and he seems to know what Excel is, at least. And so Matt, Matt hit me up from there, and I just said, yeah, I was actually, I was just starting to play around with it. A guy called uh, Justin Freeman, great follow on Twitter, by the way, and Justin Freeman 22, I think is his uh twitter at he's a really cool guy and he gives away a projection model basically for a donation to charity and i was like well that's a great excuse so um i got a hold of his just to kind of see just kind of get a start and how it works um and from there me being me i can't like we were talking about pre-show here i can't not tear something apart when i first get my hands on it especially technology wise and so, like, I broke his model down and, like, uh, shifted stuff around and um, inserted my own stuff just to see what would happen. And eventually ended up making my, well, seven or eight of my own versions of it. Um, and that's about the time Matt um, contacted me about maybe making projections for Player Profiler. And so that's how that got started. It's a lot of fun. Um, I almost didn't realize how much exact work goes into this little small number that's almost like an aside the projection is an aside on most fantasy sites and most draft kits it's just a little thing in the corner that gives you an idea of the context but when you start breaking it down and start thinking what you want that number to be whether it's a medium projection or a maximum projection or a probability projection or a likelihood projection or just some kind of scale based on uh, an average ranking then it, it's got a lot more to it, especially doing the weekly projections. It, it it basically sucks up my life. I have no life now. I I just do projections. That's me. Especially when we get to the the home stretch of that draft kit, that is not easy. I mean, there's a lot of late oh, nights, God, no. a lot of updates. People, you know, guys get traded, guys get hurt. You're adjusting there, so it's a lot of work, but it's fun, right? It's a labor of love. I think that's what it is, Peter. Who really needs sleep anyway? That's why I always say, <laughs> like, it's it's a it's probably an urban myth that people need sleep. <laughs> I don't. The old adage: you'll sleep when 
you're dead, right? That's exactly hey, right. I'll sleep when I'm champion. Uh, listen, I want to st- yeah, I want to start with a softball for you. Real easy, not tough at all. Tell me who the NFL MVP is this year. It's a quarterback, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, Dak Prescott seems to have fallen out the running a little bit. Honestly, just in terms of uh, again, this conversation rages on Twitter, and I usually avoid it because it's such a you know, it's it's whatever your perspective is. Both both are right, and I kind of hate that. I want there to be a right answer. That's, I guess, why I'm more stat-minded with fantasy football as well. I want there to be a yes and a no. That's why I enjoy about fantasy football. One player scored more than the other. No matter what you want to say, 1-1. One, one. And with the MVP race, you could say who's more valuable to their team or who's more valuable overall, who's least replaceable. You can take it a bunch of different ways and be right a number of different ways, and I kind of hate that. So... Um, but I'd say Russell Wilson, like the Seahawks are nothing without Russell Wilson. I don't care how much they think the running game's doing it for him. Any other quarterback, I don't, I don't really think any other quarterback could, could keep them in it the way he does. Um, so he's got to be in the running pretty much every year, especially the last two years for me. Um, but who do you like? Who, who, I don't even listen to those conversations, so I don't know who's in it. Is it, is it Lamar and... Yeah, it's it's tough for me. It's basically down to those two. There's some Christian McCaffrey truthers, although with Ron Rivera getting fired today, I think, you know, sort of the shine comes off of that. Not that that should in any way affect Christian McCaffrey's candidacy for MVP, but I I think right now it's Lamar. I think Wilson is still involved. It's got to be down to both of those. You know, it's interesting. I do think, Peter, that Baltimore going to Buffalo this week is a critical game. If Baltimore finds a way to win that game and they've beaten the Patriots and they won at Seattle and now they win at Buffalo, I almost feel like he's locked it up in a lot of ways, as great as Russell Wilson has been. But uh, you can still make a nice argument for Russell Wilson. I mean, they find a way to win these games. They beat Minnesota at home. I mean, he he still has that clutch gene, right? Right. Uh, we call it God mode, I think, I was when I was talking yes. with Matt <laughs> Kelly on his, his podcast. But yeah, whatever you want to call it, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of unbelievable. It really is. Um, I, actually, I know it's your podcast, but can I ask you a question? Because it's one that's been rolling around in the back of my mind kind of to look into this off season. Like, is this a trend or is this just we've we've been very lucky? Like someone, I forget who it was this off season, but they were talking about how we've seen a lack of influx of talent at the QB position over the last few years. And so this is kind of a regression for that in one way. Like um, we had that historic, what was it, the 2006 draft class, and they're aging and starting to age out or diminish in some ways. And so Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, this is just almost to be expected. Or, but in the middle, in the eye of the storm right now, it's hard to win. I mean, and this is a fully converted QBs don't matter. Truth of speaking, here, it's been really hard to win last year and this year if you didn't get Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Like, they have been significant edges, and statistically, that's insane to say. A quarterback is almost never a significant edge. And part of that is because you don't draft them highly, by the way, so don't go drafting QBs any higher. But if you don't hit the right late-value quarterback in the last two years, you've really been struggling to try and keep up with that team, at least in the early part of the season. So do you think this is a trend, or do you think like Mahomes and Jackson are just, that's it? If you know what I mean, are we going to keep seeing every year a new quarterback being this difference maker or is it just we're seeing the new talent come in? It'll settle back down. Well, I think the big key is that finally 
the NFL is adapting to the strength of the quarterback. It's not the right. quarterback comes in and we build around it. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, we can all look back on it and say, oh, it was the obvious pick. The book on him was, is he successful in the system in college or can he be successful in the pros? Does he have a big arm or is really just, is it an accurate big arm that can be an NFL MVP, which he is, or is it just another one of these guys who can sling the ball over the place, but they're not going to be accurate. So what's happening now is the quarterbacks come in, Lamar Jackson comes in, perfect situation, Greg Broman, everything works. So I think what you're seeing is a variance of abilities that can work in the NFL, not just the cookie cutter. This is the type of guy we need to have. And if we don't have him, we can't win. Yeah, I think that's a really good that, – and that's kind of what makes me nervous. This could be a new trend that we have to adapt to for fantasy football, you know? Like it could be a thing. And it won't be Mahomes or Lamar Jackson next year because they'll be drafted so high their value will be neutered by it. Rightly so in in some ways of thinking. But like uh, Kyler Murray could be the guy next year, right? He's going to be drafted – in the top 12 probably next year but he won't be in the first five rounds which means he could provide that kind of value cam newton could even come back although i've been saying that for two years now um so like this could keep going and that's what makes me nervous because it's hard to l- lean into a quarterback trend but if it happens another year then it's really going to be difficult to win again and anyway i've been looking i've been thinking about it a lot and it doesn't it's a big change in the nfl but it's just a couple of teams right it's it's baltimore and kansas city figuring it out like it's a big change in the nfl that affects maybe the whole fantasy football landscape but it's not like every team has to be this smart it's just a couple and it changes everything it's uh, anyway it's something i definitely want to look into this off season or put some thought into totally agree with you Talk about the preseason. I mean, at this point, we're in reflection mode a little bit, right? So people are getting ready for the fantasy football playoffs, and they think back, biggest hits, what's my miss? What's the one I totally whiffed on? I will tell you one of the ones that still frustrates me. Of course, I'm in way too many leagues. I had the second overall pick in in a league. The first pick, it's a PPR. They went with Alvin Kamara. So I'm staring at a choice between McCaffrey and Barkley, and I took Barkley over McCaffrey. So obviously the injury hurts, but even so, McCaffrey's been the choice. So I'm curious, give me like a a big preseason hit that you were on that you were right about, a couple there, and then maybe one that you said, you know what, I totally got wrong. I like the way you asked this, because this isn't asking me just a victory lap of a takes that I had, and that's what I had lined up. So now I have to think of my feet. <laughs> um, my biggest miss is really clear, but I actually said it was a really bad idea at the time, so I feel kind of justified. And I actually gave out a lot of free data and said, look, this says I should do exactly the opposite of what I said. And I actually skipped over the Barkley problem, by the way. I I, I was um, not off of Barkley. And to be clear, Barkley's no less talented. Like, if his value drops even an inch, go get that guy. But, like, it was pretty clear, to me at least, that he couldn't – he couldn't beat expectation, which meant, especially with the team problems, he was more likely to miss expectation. And as high as we had to take him, that just kind of put me off him and on to Christian McCaffrey. But Scott Fishbowl 9. <laughs> um, like, I was out of the thing by, like, week six. And then one of the main reasons why is I, I was just... Sometimes you just like to have fun, and the Scott Fishbowl. I'm purely, I was purely just playing it for fun. It's for charity. I, I guess I should have taken. I, I really regret not taking it a little more seriously now. But I had the 1.01, and that to me, and like I said, all the data I put out say Christian McCaffrey was 101. 
I don't like being told what to do, even by myself. And so I took David Johnson. Ah, yes. yes like, that's course. clearly the worst miss of anyone. Like, if you're feeling bad about a McCall you made this season, don't worry, I got you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I made a worse one. And at the time, I was like, don't do this. And I got a whole bunch of questions. Like, what do you know that you're not that made you do this? It's like, I know nothing. I know this is a bad idea. It just felt really fun at the time. You shouldn't do it. So, like, I tried to make sure no one else got confused by my mistake. I just, I was a really, I am a really big fan of David Johnson. I had the 1.01. It felt contrarian. And so I just did it. Um, so that was very clearly my biggest miss um, this season, I have to say. That's fair. And and listen, I've also waited for D.D. Westbrook. I'm holding on to Dear Hope. I mean, we <laughs> all have them, Peter. It's about a, it's a full disclosure mailbag is what we have here. Don't worry about it. Well, everything else I can uh, process on you, like Juju Smith-Schuster is a big miss, oh my but God. Oh, oh my I God. was talking Dynasty, and, you know, it's not really his fault, and he's a bounce-back candidate, so, like, I can caveat, there's just no redeeming factor about drafting D- uh, David Johnson above Christian McCaffrey, like, there's no defense of that, there was, uh, as you just heard, there's just me uh, mumbling around about how fun it was, um, so, yeah. <laughs> see, see, Dynasty is beautiful, because Dynasty means we never have to take the F. Right, because you can always say, exactly. "Oh, it's going to be next year." It's going to be right. right. Exactly. And Devontae Park is stretching that to four years now. You're like, "Hey, hey, I got four <laughs> years." Right. By which time you'll probably forget I said this. So that's great. <laughs> we have some good conversations come out Devontae Parker. Don't get me wrong. And folks, listen, just as the fantasy football playoffs are here, the holiday rush is here, and you have to ship those orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. It's super hard to keep track of all those orders for family and friends, deciding which shipping carrier to use, or getting those best rates. It's hard to find, so you do what I do. I use ShipStation.com. With just a few clicks, you're managing orders, printing labels, getting all those products out the door, and they get delivered on time for the holidays. I love ShipStation. I use it. It's hard to go to the stores anymore, but you can get stuff online and get it shipped out right away. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, USPS, FedEx, and UPS. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer for things that you're shipping out. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You ship more in less time with the best rates available. It takes the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you all with ease. Use my offer code BLUE. You get a 60-day free trial. That's right. Offer code BLUE. 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Or you can go to ShipStation.com. Just click on that microphone at the top of the page and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. The next one I have here is here are some players right now that have started to pop. They've had a disappointing year because of injuries or they haven't performed, but now they're starting to get hot. And I'm curious, I want to get your take on whether you think that they're going to be able to continue this and sort of go into the fantasy playoffs here and really help some teams come through and win a title. First one that's interesting is Darius Geis. So Darius Geis, of course, the injury last year comes back. Injury this year. Adrian Peterson's there. Chris Thompson, of course, is still hanging around. But Darius Geis leads the Redskins in a road victory over the Carolina Panthers, which obviously put a nail in the Ron Rivera coffin. 129 rushing yards, two touchdowns, caught a couple balls out of the backfield. Here's my question. Darius Geis, is that performance going to lead to a really great end of year, or do you think that's an isolated situation? 
Um, it's really interesting. Um, JJ Zacharisa mentioned on his podcast this week that he doesn't, he would be nervous. I think this is his point. I could be misquoting him. You should go listen to it, make sure I'm wrong. Um, but he said that, uh, he doesn't see why the team would feed him this late in the season when they can't make the playoffs. But, and, and that's a really smart point as you'd expect from JJ, but like, my one of the things that I get the most benefit out of for my fantasy teams is remembering that teams don't always make the smart move and there's no reason to feed him but like teams never do what makes sense at the running back position so I, I can see that definitely um, continuing throughout the rest of the season um, and then feeding him like Adrian Peterson fades and he gets a workload and um, he wasn't much of a receiver in college, you know, the, the usual arguments. But I could definitely see that continuing. The next one I'm curious about, Peter, is Sam Darnold. So, look, I think it was totally blown out of proportion, this whole seeing ghost thing. There's so many players who, if they were mic'd up along the way earlier in their career, like how about Peyton Manning was throwing 27 interceptions in his first year, would have said something similar. But Sam Darnold here, terrible game against the Bengals. 239 passing yards, no interceptions, but the Jets didn't look good. But on the way now for the rest of the year, actually has a decent schedule. What do you think about Sam Darnold, like two QB leagues? Do you think he's a, a guy who could really have a nice end of season here? I was actually thinking of Sam Darnold on the way home today. It was like, it's weird that that became like a meme and a joke. Like, isn't that how we would describe his behavior in that game? Like, we've been saying quarterbacks seeing ghosts in the pocket forever. Right, we can say it, but he he can't say it. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like it would make sense if it was a weird thing to say. Sam Darnold thinks he's seeing ghosts. But like, dude, you said that about him. Like, why is this a joke? Like, he, we want to discourage players from... Uh, accurately and honestly describing their feelings during a game, then you're going to get more, you know, Russell Wilson talk after the game. Just generic statements everyone knows are safe. Like, stop it. Back off of Donald. At least he's telling us something. And information's valuable. But, yeah, I, I think Sam Donald's a young quarterback, and he's shown definite, ups, um, definite ability. Um, we don't know nearly enough, you know, the usual quarterback excuses, but I'm excited about him in terms of his future. And even, like I say, his end of season schedule is pretty, pretty solid here to the point that the Jets, it didn't work out last week, but the Jets defense looks like a fairly good bet if you're looking to add a second or uh, looking to stream someone in the playoffs. Like I said, last week was just terrible, but I, I think that's mostly down to the management. Um, but again, that's another feather of Darnold's cap. He's not exactly got the best stuff around him, and he's shown upside. And for a young quarterback, I think he's been he's been decent. Um, outside of getting Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, Darnold's uh, a, a positive story as drafting a quarterback um, in a rookie draft or whatever. Like he's been very decent. You know, I ask about the quarterbacks, and here's another one now, Derek Carr with the with the Raiders. The reason I ask about it is because quarterback is often one of your highest scoring positions. Sometimes it can be your highest depending on the scoring format. I remember I won a title in 2015, and I benched Tom Brady because he was playing at the Jets for Brock Osweiler. Now, listen, I understand the people that's nuts, but Osweiler was home against a really good matchup, and I did not think there was any way with Todd Bowles coaching that defense that Brady was going to come in. It was bad weather against the Jets and score. So the reason I ask about Derek Carr is Derek Carr was off to a great start this year. He had some great games there in the middle. He had three passing touchdowns against Houston. Then for a while, he wasn't throwing many interceptions. He had a nice run there of of about eight 
touchdowns in a row with one interception. Now he's been terrible the last two weeks, the back-to-back quarterback 28 in fantasy, but the Raiders have two home games now against the Titans and the Jaguars where he can put up some decent quarterback points. Are you going to trust a Kyler Murray at home against the Steelers when he looks like he's injured? I mean, I'm saying there could be some matchups. Is there a place for Derek Carr? Do you think he's going to rejuvenate? Do you think the Raiders are going to come back? Or do you think I'm nuts here for even talking about Derek Carr in a fantasy playoff situation? (laughs) No, I get it. And man, there are definitely some situations where you could play Carr, right? Um, the things I just said about Donald is basically what I was saying about Carr last year. And I think that's proven true this year. He's not a world beater, but anyone who is overly pessimistic on him probably regrets not drafting him above like a Philip Rivers this year, for example, um, especially in Dynasty. Um, like He's solid. Um, we've seen enough of him now. I think some of that upside he showed when he had two top 24 receivers it's not there. And again, that's, I just don't think that's a product of the quarterback. I think you need average quarterback to get good play from wide receivers. And that's about it. And the better the quarterback, the better the upside, but still you don't need world beater, but Derek Carr's proven. He can be that average guy. Like he's Andy Dalton level or above, you know what I mean? So I can definitely see in the right matchup playing him over some players, but, um, like in the scenario you just laid out, like, I'm not a big matchup guy. That stuff's just never sticky. And as a statistics guy, we, we don't like sticky, non-sticky stuff. Um, we like to throw things against the wall, basically, and uh, have it stick. <laughs> no, things that repeat often and are dependable, you can trust. And that all comes down to volume. With quarterback, that's largely difficult. But uh, matchup stats are never that. I have started to track some volume statistics, matchup statistics this year, hoping to find more luck with them. And um, but so far I have nothing much to report. So I'm always nervous about playing matchups that way. But like you say, if you've got a quarterback with an injury and you're pretty sure that he's injured, Derek Carr's a solid streamer. I really do think we can at least say that about him. Can you figure out, Peter, when to play A.J. Brown? Because I sure as hell cannot. I feel like every time he has a big week, I play him in DFS. I feel like he's so volatile, he's almost unplayable in seasonal leagues. A.J. Brown, what's the deal? Corey Davis is on the side of a milk carton, but A.J. Brown just can't get consistency there. <laughs> on the side of a milk carton. I like that. Um, I'm actually remark- remarkably pleased with what I've been seeing out of A.J. Brown lately. Like, um, uh, And anyone who knows me knows I was saying that about Corey Davis not so long ago, so maybe take this with a grain of salt. But um, over the last three games, he's actually averaged, um, let me say it exactly, 23.9% of the targets. So over the last three or four, and you can even go back to five games, A.J. Brown's taken over the lead receiver role, not just at the wide receiver position, but for the team. And it's incredibly positive. It's what I was saying about Corlin Sutton before his numbers started to show up in the box score. And even DK Metcalf, over the last three weeks, he consistently edged out Tyler Lockett, who I think is a really good player, by the way. I think his injury is lingering. But he definitely become the lead wide receiver, but the production hadn't been there yet. And this is what I was saying about sticky stats as well, where you you can follow volume a little easier. Um, A.J. Brown is the lead receiver on that team right now. He had 19% of targets last week, had 31% of targets in week 12, and going back to week 10 before their bye, had 21% of the targets. He even had 18% of the targets in week 9. And again, it goes back and back the last five weeks. A.J. Brown has been the lead wide receiver for a while. And while his production has been up and down, that's true with most players, especially wide receivers. Now, when do you play him? That's really difficult. It's situation dependent. But I would say this about a wide receiver who is young, 
is on a an offense that's become remarkably efficient because of Ryan Tannehill, apparently, which is even it, it makes me queasy to say that, but it's true. And you only play him if you need a wide receiver too. He's not a flex play for me because of the uncertainty here. But if I needed a wide receiver too, and AJ Brown's significantly in that conversation with the roster that I have, he's a really solid play. We should expect some variance and regression here. He's getting the volume. He's not putting up the numbers. Um, and yet the team's being efficient. So I, I really think A.J. Brown could be a strong play in the playoffs, but it's really specific, right? Don't play him over a good running back because it's the playoffs and you need security and running backs bring more security. But um, I, I, from a dynasty perspective, again, talking about the value of dynasty for analysts, like I can say buy A.J. Green a lot more comfortably. The fact that he hasn't produced consistently, there still might be uncertainty. But he's definitely taking, over the last four or five weeks, that lead job away from Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, with the loss of Delaney Walker. Although I think he's back now, isn't he? Either way, he's become the leading uh, lead receiver. And for a rookie, that's really impressive. Walker is now out. Jonu Smith is going to be the man the rest of the year, but he just hasn't performed. But I, I think that's the key. They have to get more volume. I'm curious to see this week against the Raiders because I think the Raiders should be able at home here to actually sort of neutralize Derrick Henry a bit. So we may still Tannehill throw it, which means it could be a good A.J. Brown game, but the roulette wheel will continue to spin. Yeah, again, the problem with the Titans is still the Titans are the Titans, like 30% of Titans. Titans targets just isn't enough targets, so we still need new management there. But the player himself, I'm I'm pretty happy with so far. A question here from a listener about the Rams wide receivers. They're in a seasonal league. They're in a battle. They have the playoffs. They want you to rank rest of season wide receivers. Think half PPR. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. What do you got? Uh, Woods, Cup, and then Cooks. Like, uh, Cooks does not seem to be himself since coming back from that injury. I, I, in Dynasty, I'm really interested in him, but I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on with him, so I'm a little nervous about that. But Robert Woods just, again, he's taken over that lead position over the last three, four weeks, and I trust that. I think volume's a lot more predictable. Not that it doesn't... Predictable is... Uh, you know, it's in the eye of the holder, right? It's a lot more predictable than looking at the fantasy points, and it's a lot more predictable than looking at efficiency or matchup stats. We can believe in it just a little bit more, and so that's what I'm going to lean on. Um, and Robert Woods has really taken over those targets. Cooper Cup seems to be struggling over the last few weeks as well. He's still a really solid play, but for whatever reason, I'm sure tape guys could probably explain it to me better, but for whatever reason, uh, it doesn't really matter to me. It's just it's just the truth that Robert Woods is um, the best play right now on the run uh, on the Rams at that position. Let's uh, let's take a look at the waiver wire. Some players who I'm still I wrote up for Action Network who could make an impact here coming into Week 14. Cole Beasley, Peter, the Bills, home against the Ravens. I mean, big game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving revenge game. I guess it was. Can you trust Cole Beasley as a wide receiver three in a PPR format if you need him? Yeah, um, I was actually saying this. A while ago, again, I'm not victory laughing. I just remember saying it, and you just reminded me of it. Man, I wish I'd stayed on that. Because Cole Beasley has been consistently getting the volume this year, and he's a very solid player. He's like Jarvis Landry Light um, in many ways. 
in that he's a good player at a position that doesn't often provide value, but when it does, he's good enough to actually provide that value for you. Um, and talking about the volume stats, matchup stats I've been tracking this season, over the last five weeks, the Baltimore Ravens defense, which is a really solid defense, if memory serves um, on defensive rankings, but it's actually been pushing targets towards the wide receiver position. Over the last five weeks, teams facing the Baltimore Ravens have targeted their wide receivers 3.8% more than they have the rest of the season of, well, for the last five weeks. So uh, whether they target the wide receiver position heavily or not, on average, more targets go towards the wide receiver position when facing Baltimore. Now that's obviously partly a product likely that Baltimore tends to be kicking their ass. And so they have to throw more. And a lot of that's going towards the wide receiver position. Um, so, yeah, I think Cobb is a really solid play. He has been um, for for this season, really. It's been surprising. Dare I say O.J. Howard? Should I even mutter his name? Are we really considering <laughs> that we're buying an O.J. Howard now when he's not getting benched after having a ball intercepted off his back? Can he be trusted? Uh, I feel the urge to use the dynasty parachute again, but no. Look, um, <laughs> tight end production really isn't that. If you're struggling to find production at tight end, I would suggest just adjusting the way you play it a little bit, especially if you've gotten to this point in the season and don't have at least some viable streaming system worked out. Like Production at tight end is always relatively easy to get at. Um, or I've always found it that way. OJ has been a big letdown. I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl um, a little earlier than I normally draft tight ends, but it's because he fell. Um, but still, I was able to find replacements, um, and I haven't been playing him lately. He's just not getting the volume, especially in the playoffs, like you were saying earlier about um, Derek Carr and now OJ Howard. Like It's really difficult to play a player like that in, in the playoffs when you need production maybe don't feel like taking as many big risks. I, I just, it's not happening for OJ Howard this year. And those occasional good games are just a product likely of the, of his athletic and football talent, but he's not getting the volume. And the, like, I would add him to keep him off other people's rosters. I, I think that's a smart play, but hopefully if you're going to play us right now, you have better solid options to be honest. If James Conner does not come back, I can make an argument. And listen, as fantasy players, we hate plotters. We hate guys who don't catch <laughs> passes. We hate the Cedric Bensons of the world. We hate those. To, but they're valuable. Carlos Hyde has value, whether people want to believe it or not. My question is, if Conner's out, would you consider Benny Snell? Give me all the Peyton Barber, man. I love plotters. I okay, love anyone okay. that no one expects to do well that does well because I, I, I just – that, that's fun to me. But, um, yeah, I think Benny Snell is a must-add right now. At this point in the playoffs, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft, if a player like that's on your waiver wire, then the other teams in your league suck and you should be winning. Because you should be adding running backs at an increasingly high rate, no matter what the format, as we get closer to the playoffs. And if a player that's already put up numbers and had snap shares like Benny Snell is on the waiver wire, then someone's not doing something right. You don't have to play him this week or any week, but you do have to make sure he's not available to other teams that might lose Connor, lose Samuels, um, or another running back. He's just getting too much usage. Um, and the more you think about the player's athletic ability, we know the running back position is like volume's the most predictable. It's also the thing that predicts running back 
points. A snap share, for example, correlates to fantasy points more than anything else for the running back position, and that's per Ben Baldwin's research. And that's not just because everyone getting snaps can run a 4-4. It's because if you're on the field and getting the ball a lot as a running back, that's how you put up numbers. Frankly, there's not a many running backs, even in committees, that can have the ball at any one time. And so whoever's getting it, they're going to put up the numbers no matter what they are. So Benny Snell's a must-add. Not necessarily a must-play. Like you say, it's kind of a committee situation. Jalen Samuels has been disappointing all year, though. Um, and I think he's really strong, depending what the injury situation looks like this week. He could be a viable flex play for for the running back, for the floor that the running back position can provide anyway, depending on your league scoring. I've asked this to everyone that's come on, my friend. What's your favorite American band of all time? <laughs> um... Oh, God, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, now all I can remember is English bands. I'm like, ACDC, The Darkness. No, um, let's just go Nirvana. They're, they represent a fairly large part of my youth, uh, and uh, I'm still a pretty big fan listening to them today. So, There's a lot of people that own shares of the 49ers backfield. Heavy run script, been very productive. Tevin Coleman comes back. He's scoring touchdowns. Brita was an issue earlier in the year. Then they dealt with the Jeff Wilson goal line vulturing. And now Raheem Mostert certainly Raheem seems Mostert. like an issue with his 140 plus rushing yards last week against a difficult Ravens team on the road. Who is your favorite 49ers backfield person if you have one? And I guess if you don't, who's the guy to own here? Oh, my God. And now Raheem Mostert is the way so many articles should start right now. I want to call um, him Mostair. I want to say Mostair, but it's not. I really do, Peter. I'm telling you. For the last few weeks, I felt really justified in my befuddlement that no one really liked Tevin Coleman in that situation. Because Tevin Coleman was really looking like he ran away from it. And that's from a guy who really was on the Matt Breeder is invincible train. Um, this offseason, I thought for his price, he was just a really good running back ad. And that's the thing. All of these guys have shown significant enough talent at the NFL level that if they get volume, they're startable. I think what we have to take here is that the 49ers are telling us over and over again, you're not going to know, right, unless you're in the room deciding who gets the carries, who's actually going to get that volume. And so I think they're really difficult starts. But again, all of them um, must hold on benches so that no one else can get the variance, the points with that variance structure, no matter what it might be. Um, I'm a big fan of all of them. I, I love Matt Breeder and his toughness and his his low-key three-down ability. Like, he's got some pass-catching chops, and really no one expected that, even from his college profile. Tevin Coleman's always got that big playability, and I think he's got a better talent in an every-down role than some of us expected. Um, and Raheem Mostar, coming from nowhere, like, who doesn't like an undrafted free agent story? And if you don't, then, you know, me and you are not on the same team. I love those guys. So I like all of them, but none of them... Uh, really comfortable plays because of the nature of the way the team uses them. My crazy, deep, 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 crazy take from the preseason was that Dallas Goddard will outscore Zach Ertz. Now, that's not going to happen. But the Eagles offense has been disappointing, and they have a pretty good schedule here rest of the way for the fantasy playoffs. Alshon Jeffries back. I'm going to assume he's solid. My question centers around Ertz versus Goddard. And Miles Sanders. What do you think about them, Gertz Goddard, and Miles Sanders here, rest of the season? Certainly, Miles Sanders, I would think in Dynasty, is a huge favorite of yours. 
Well, my only projections for this week have Zach Ertz as the number one tight end this week and Dallas Goddard as a top 10, which was, and last week Ertz was a top three and Goddard was a top 12. So, um, I actually have something that I can add. Like, I feel like I've been saying generic stuff to some of these questions. I'm not hearing enough, enough about the consistency of Goddard's production. Like, I was really against the take that Goddard would outperform Ertz this year. It didn't really make sense to me. Ertz's role didn't seem to be going anywhere, and he was good with it. And again, I trust volume. But this year, Goddard's not only earned a significant volume, he's done it without Ertz losing his role. Like, how or why are interesting questions, but just at the top of your mind, put here that nothing has to happen to Ertz, Jeffrey, Sanders, or anyone else's volume for Goddard's role to keep up. I think Ertz's role is safe. Like I said, Goddard's been doing this while Ertz still gets 20% or more of the targets consistently over the last five weeks. But I think it's really eye-opening that Goddard's production is also sustainable. Like, no one's role has to change. Goddard's earned his own role, which is kind of my theory around players. I think players earn their role. They don't take them from other players when they leave or when they get injured or when they underperform. I think those players have to claim or create their own targets. That's that's kind of my idea around where targets come from. And I think it's really impressive. And I did not like, include that in my miss column. I did not see Goddard doing it this year because it's really hard, especially hard, for a tight end to do that especially when there's already a tight end who's done it on the team. So I'm really impressed with Goddard this year. I do think Ertz wins if they're both healthy for the rest of the season in terms of total production. But Goddard's a startable tight end every week this um, this year, whether Ertz is healthy or not. And so I, I like both. I'm a gin martini guy. TJ Hernandez on the pod beginning of the year talked about how IPAs are not his choice. I want to know the go-to drink of choice in the Howard household on a Friday night. Yeah, I don't drink. Uh, that's actually not true. It's not like I don't drink. I, I will happily drink, but drinking is like a social activity for me, and I don't go anywhere. I sit here and do projections my whole life, as I've already talked about. So there's very little socializing going on. Like with all the posting of IPAs and alcohol, I have been uh, like buying alcohol just to like join into the Twitter conversation, but I'm really like drinking is what I do when I'm hanging out with friends and that's not something that happens a lot anymore. But if, if I do have a go-to alcoholic drink, it's just whiskey and Coke. And I know that taints a whiskey and some people hate me for it, nah, but I always fair. mix it. And maker's mark is currently my favorite generic whiskey to put in my Coke. Um, but usually, uh, my, our go-to drink of choice is, uh, I, I drink coffee. That that's about it. <laughs> it used to be tea, but coffee's easy to get hit. <laughs> Let's do a little fantasy football momentum time. I would like to know if you think these players are going to keep their momentum off of week thirteen. So assume half PPR. Do you think they're going to keep it going, or are they going to disappoint? How about Rashad Penny in Seattle? Um, as you know, chief Penny officer on the SS Penny hype train. Um, I should be all over his production last week, right? Um, and I should have been all over it a couple of weeks ago when Carson got benched for fumbling that game as well. But I'm really trying to learn and not just be a stubborn jackass. I enjoy being a stubborn jackass, don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> I am trying to learn and improve. And something that I've really tried to build into my personal fantasy game is accepting that when teams tell you how they want to use players, you have to learn to accept it. You have to learn when to accept it. I think Rashad Penny's definitely talented enough. And like I said, the running back position, it's all about volume, though. 
And the team or coaches get to decide that a lot more than they do for the tight end or the wide receiver or the quarterback position. If you give a running back touches, most of them can actually produce. This team has consistently showed us that no matter what Chris Carson does, and, and Chris Carson's really talented. Let, let, don't let me gloss over that. I actually came onto the Chris Carson train despite being a Rashad Penny truther because he's been really good. Pete Carroll still trusts him. He had him in the game last night with the game on the line, not worried about fumbling against the Vikings. I think it's even more stubborn than that. I think they know that there's like, I think, it, honestly, I think they think they're against geeks. When all geeks want is them to be better. But still, like, and I think they think Chris Carson is a way of, like, being against a certain body of people. Like, I really get an aggressive tone for the way the, the Seahawks use their team. Like, to the point that they care more about their philosophy than winning. Which seems like the opposite of how they should be, but whatever. I'm not a real-life football guy. So... I will say this. I think Rashad Penny's good enough. He gets the volume. He produces like we see every time he gets volume. I think the team's going to keep going back to Carson because the team has consistently told us that's what they're going to do. So, again, Penny's definitely rosterable. I'm playing him in leagues where I don't have a running back, too, very happily. Because he can always go off or at least do solid numbers, even with the volume he's getting when Chris Carson's the lead role. But I think they're going to go back to Chris Carson. I'm just trying to learn to trust teams when they tell us something this consistently. What about Mr. Disappointment, Joe Mixon in Cincinnati? Yeah, um, again, he's actually been fairly consistent over the last four or five games. So I actually, I actually kind of trust it. You, like you say, all, utter disappointment this season. Don't know what's been going on with him or Cincinnati. There's been a lot of teams that I just have to resign to not knowing till I study him more this offseason. But over the last few games, he's been fine. I, I think he's your running back two unless you have some sort of amazing running back core. Like it's, it's not like a Penny or a Breeder or a Coleman, like I was saying before, if you have to. And John Mixon is very solidly in the top 24 for me right now. And you mentioned him earlier, the legend. That is the late, 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 late breakout, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is going to make so much so much fun in Dynasty this year because everyone's going to start re-believing in Laquan Treble, or some people are. Uh, and um, uh, who, who are the other break, who are the other busts lately? Kevin White um, and Brashad Perryman had another good game. Oh, everyone's going to start believing. Oh, we push the push the boundaries further. It's really important to remember while that's going on. Devontae Parker on the list of busts from the first round of the last 10 years. He looks like the weird outlier. He was actually fairly productive in college. He was actually fairly good in college. And he showed really positive signs in the NFL. And the joke, like last year, was he was always good in practice and terrible on the field. Like, I don't know what's been going on with Parker. But the fact he's the only first-round wide receiver to break out after year three since 2000 is less surprising once you take in his whole profile like i i really had backed off him completely i had sold him i didn't want him i wouldn't trade for him and and he's proven me wrong and i'm really excited about it it's great when fantasy players do well that's good for all of us whether we're on them or not more good players is good so if there was a player that was gonna do it from the last 10 years or so or 18 years Devontae parker would be the one i put my money on so i'm less surprised in that way but it's really really unusual that a player with that much draft capital breaks out after year three well, so you, don't think this is a new trend but do buy Devonte parker somehow he's managed to put it together the team kept 
giving him volume, which is what these guys need to get right, basically. And it happened. So I'm really happy. And it looks consistent. Um, I don't know how much to trust it, but I'm definitely interested in the Devontae Parker market again. Well, Peter Howard's going to put his money on Devontae Parker. I am going to put my money on Harry's Razors. Listeners of this show, you can get $5 off any Harry's shave set. You go to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Free shipping there ends on December 16th. So please take a look at it now. It's a great gift for anyone in your life. You talk about how I get these dull cliche gifts that I hate. Socks. Who doesn't get a lot of socks? Ties, wallets. You don't want that. I asked for Harry's razors. I love them. It's a great deal. Holiday sets start at just $20 and Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each. So anyone who's getting them for you, you can save money over time. It's ready to go. It's in a little gift box, which I love. It gives back, folks. 1% of each sale gets donated to charitable organizations. So Harry's Razor is taking care of the charities, which we love to see. As a special offer for fans of our Rotoviz Fantasy Football Mailbag, we've partnered with Harry. We'll give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire and you get the free shipping, which is huge this time of year. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle option you can engrave on a five blade razor cartridge foaming shave gel rich lather travel cover the whole bit package in that gift box i talked about free shipping ends december 16th folks so you got about two weeks act now go to harrys.com backslash blue wire harrys.com backslash blue wire peter we're talking about the holidays i want to know when you were a child what's that key christmas or birthday gift you got that you absolutely can't forget uh good question I think the one that comes to mind first is uh, the original, the original, original Game Boy. I got that one year and spent like uh, seven hours straight playing Tetris. Yes, of course. Tetris, my man. Yes, yes, sir. And that is true. You do see the Tetris effect is real. I can see the pieces after I've played it for a long period of time. I remember that. That was true. It was a lot of fun, man. Back when games were really games, right? I got a question here for you. Rank, rank these tight ends seasonal, fantasy football playoffs, rest of season, best to worst, Jack Doyle, Hunter Henry, Darren Waller. Uh, Waller, Henry Doyle. Um, and the Henry Doyle order is mostly a bet on Henry's talent, but Jack Doyle is like a really strong streamer right now. Especially with Ebron out. Another question here for Dynasty. Who do you like better, Terry McLaurin or Allen Robinson? I'm probably not the best person to ask. Like, I've got Allen Robinson pretty close to my top 12 in Dynasty and Terry McLaurin's in the top 36. Like, I'm really impressed with him. Like, take the win that everyone that wasn't on McLaurin was wrong. I was wrong. Definitely about McLaurin. They didn't see it in his profile. He was definitely better than I thought he was going to be. But, like, elevating him to Alan Robinson, I, I've seen nothing that puts him there yet. And imagine if, Alan Robinson, me, imagine if Alan Robinson actually gets a decent quarterback. Some point in his life, I think he will. One, maybe one year. Yeah, right. Time for the week 14 lightning round here, Peter. Pick the player. I'm going to give you two, and I want you to name which one you think is going to have a better week 14 performance. Of course, you assume half PPR. First one is a quarterback battle. Some people may have both of these guys. Dak Prescott, Thursday night at Chicago, or Drew Brees at home, but against San Francisco? Oh, I've been making this bet every week in one of my leagues. Um, they're my two most known quarterbacks. And I've been getting it wrong a lot, just putting that out. Like, <laughs> I've had a rough season in my leagues. I've been concentrating on other people's leagues too much. But um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go Dak. I went Drew last week, and I failed. So I'm going to switch over to Dak and see if I can catch onto that train. 
Cortland Sutton having a phenomenal season, but questionable quarterback play at Houston or Christian Kirk at home against Pittsburgh, but Kyler Murray may be a little hampered. Who do you like? Uh, Cortland Sutton. Um, I, I love both players, but um, but Cortland Sutton's just been consistently great uh, this season. I, I think both players are really good players. But uh, I don't know what's going on with Kirk right now, so I'll take the safety of a Cortland Sutton. This one's tricky. I have the worst receiver, the worst of the two, home in a much better situation. Alan Lazard, home against Washington, which should be a smash spot. Or Tyler Boyd, on the road at Cleveland, rival, of course, with their questionable offense. Lazard versus Boyd this week. Who do you got? Yeah, who can forget the great debate this offseason? Who's going to be Green Bay's wide receiver two? Alan Lazard? or No, he yeah, wasn't right, really in the right, conversation, yeah, was he? Right. I, yeah, I'm going to stick with Tyler Boyd, my man. And better tight end play. Mark Andrews, who's been phenomenal. I have a lot of exposure to him. But he's at Buffalo, who is the toughest team against opposing tight ends. Or Ryan Griffin, I know it's the Jets, but home against Miami. That, that's like a great matchup versus player question right there. And Ryan Griffin's had some really consistent usage, so... You know, you do you. Uh, it's definitely a really strong play. But if I have Mark Andrews, I almost can't sit him. Um, so I'm going to go Andrews. What's the best sporting event you ever attended in person? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, I want to say something like uh, Sappy or, you know, uh, like the first game my dad ever took me to to see the Wolverhampton Wanderers, which is our home, you know, English football team. Um, and that's one of the first ones that stuck out to me when you asked. But honestly, more recently, me and my wife took my kids um, to go see our local basketball team, Wynn County. And it was just it, – it's such a different experience in a big stadium like the, the like the Wolves play in. It was a small hometown gym. The whole team showed out um, from, both t- from both schools, from two different counties. Everyone was really supportive. There was food going. Everyone was really happy and supportive of their players. It was an amazing experience. And to be able to share that with my kids was honestly like um, it was one of my favorite moments, um, attending a sport event at least. So I'm going to say that. That's a great one. Peter, fantastic job here. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. Dynasty question right in your wheelhouse. This is the opportune time you take advantage of teams that have dropped out. They're looking to get those draft picks. Great 2020 draft coming up. Name the dynasty player. You may have touched on him already. OBJ, Juju, Devontae Adams, anyone that had a disappointing year that you think you can actually steal right now from a team for a lot of picks and you think it'll pay off. So I guess I'm asking you, who's the veteran bounce back that you think is really going to shine next year? It's funny that Juju is now a veteran age 23, right? Exactly. It's true. Um, yeah. Like there's a lot of really good options, especially at the wide receiver position. You just mentioned three of the best ones. So I'm just going to take those three. I think Juju is going to be the easiest to steal. No one's going to forget how good OBJ can be. Um, and he's been more solid this season than Juju. I don't think Devontae Adams' value is going to shift very far. Um, I think he's been good enough and he could have the end, good end of the season here as well. So, yeah, I think Juju, especially of that list, is um, – Probably the easiest to move out. It's really tricky in Dynasty this way. Like, it's easy to say buy these young wide receivers, but then the offseason comes and you send offers for them and you learn that no one in your league is actually stupid. Um, as much as we hope, like, no one's going to forget or know that you're selling low. But I think the way Juju season's gone, like, I've seen a lot of maybe we were too early on Juju. And I'm like, really? Like, 
Really? You think there's a question about Juju's talent? And if that's in any way true, and I've seen smart people saying that, and so it could be possible. Like, it's not a bad play to be worried about Juju, but I'm really not. Like, I have no fear about Juju's actual talent level and where he can be and what his career can be. So, like, I think he's probably the easiest to get the best value on. Folks, Peter Howard, one of the brightest guys in the industry, DL Football, does the projections for Roto Underworld, of course, Dynasty Crossroads podcast with Jake Anderson. Follow him on Twitter at PA Howdy. Peter, great job. You are going to help a lot of people win their fantasy football matchup, which means they're going to be coming at you asking you for the key in the fantasy football championship. A lot of pressure here. Yeah, man, you're scaring me now. Like, <laughs> don't forget, <laughs> it's your team. If I say say something you're like that guy's just wrong like you've just heard at least seven examples of how i was tragically wrong on a number of players you should play your team the way you want but hopefully i help you out if only giving you opinion or something to argue against that's what i listen to podcasts for i do my best thinking when i'm thinking against what someone else said at least maybe i can uh, help out that way absolutely thanks peter also bye juju Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us by email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Ramp. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.